0: Simon & Wayne's Spiffing Review With your hosts Simon Jones And Wayne Bolt
1: Hello, hi hi And welcome to Simon & Wayne's Spiffing Review Me, Wayne Bolt. And me, Simon Jones. And this week we're going to be giving you our thoughts and impressions of the recent SFX Weekender we attended just this last weekend, which was the weekend of the 5th and 6th of February. Yes,
2: many of you will have gone to it, so if you've already been, then this is our thoughts. And please do write in with your own thoughts, and if you haven't been, this will be as if you were there. Almost.
1: Yeah. So, what we're going to do is we're going to, at this stage, bring in... A fellow podcasting collaborator of ours who's done uh, a lot of the writing and editing work on Squadron Leader Jack Steel and the Starblade, episode nine of which just been recently released. Episode Narnia? Yeah? Episode Narnia. Yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. Episode nine has been recently released over at jacksteel.itsatrap.co.uk. So once you finish listening to this, why not go listen to Jack Steel? Nice anyway. Plug. <laughs> Do you like it? It's yes. good, won't it? Yeah. Hello, Chris. Hello. Nice to be here. Nice to have you here. <sighs> so. First of all, we're just going to spend a couple of minutes talking about the accommodation. Yes, yeah. the location
2: of the SFX, SFX Weekender, uh, which you may or may not be aware of, was at a place called Pontins,
1: which is a holiday camp in the south of England. This particular one is in Camber Sands, which is in East Sussex. Now, the reason we're sort of talking about Pontins first is because we don't really want it to get in the way of the review of the main thing as a whole. Yeah, the SFX Weekender is a slightly schizophrenic event in that you have the
2: sfx part and then you have the location of where it was so we're going to start off with that to uh, get it out of the way
1: okay so pontins Yes. Yeah, so had you ever been to
2: holiday camp before wayne
1: i had i'd been to butlins ah. uh, in minehead which is uh, in in the west of england um, but that was um it must be 25 30 years ago i was taken there as a kid um, by the parents on a family holiday and at the time I suppose because there a lot of activities which were kid-based going on, I quite enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, these holiday camps were something that were big in, what, the 60s and 70s, uh, was it?
1: The 50s and 60s. Right. More so. And uh, before packet holidays and
2: the like, too. Yes, and before, flying around the world was easy. So Mm. since then, they've been in slight decline, and this was my first encounter with them.
0: To be fair, I don't think they'd actually changed much in the 25 or 30 years since Wayne had last been there. Certainly the uh, paint hadn't been renewed. Yeah, given
2: that Doctor Who was quite a major theme of the show, it was fairly appropriate that it was like going back in time the moment you arrived at the place. Um, So yeah, it was a pretty harsh introduction to the holiday camp experience for me.
1: Yep, it was a throwback to the 1950s, it was like being in a bizarre sci-fi version of Heidi High, which... It's not really something I ever wanted to see. It's not one of those crossovers I really
0: really ever wanted to encounter. It's
2: not one, you know, you get Babylon 5 versus Star Trek and stuff like that, but that one, no one's ever really put that forward, have they?
0: Well, Doctor Who versus Heidi High.
2: Yeah, yeah. Maybe they should. I I think
1: there was a Sylvester McCoy episode sort of set around this sort of thing. I can't quite remember. Anyway, we're not talking about that. let's not get off track. So, just to get our rant over and done with, the the chalet we were in, uh, which was meant to sleep for, I'm not quite sure how we all managed to get in there. Yeah, it was Um, a bit of a squeeze. yeah. Um, wasn't that great? There was uh, lots of lovely holes in the doors. Uh, you could either have the shower or the oven working. Our grill wouldn't work due to some sort of electric problem. Very cold, big drafty gap in the door. Yeah, but do you know what?
2: We got off lucky. I've been uh, scouting around Twitter to see responses from other people, and. Uh, Yeah, we were were certainly the lucky ones, because you got people who were discovering old food under the furniture that was definitely not theirs, that had been there for quite a while, Uh, inch-thick dust on the furniture as well, and somebody actually reported, uh, let me just quote from their tweet, uh, liquid poo coming out the loo,
1: that's fun! So we were lucky then Yes that's pontins for you yeah. Do you know what level Of accommodation they were in Because we were in The budget like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Accommodation I don't know Maybe they're, they're the one below In hell
0: Yeah. It's a good point I mean the superior Accommodation may have been Incredibly plush I doubt it <laughs>
2: <laughs> Chris is an optimistic man We've always admired him For this Yeah <laughs> um, Yes uh pontins is a hellhole it's, it's probably the worst place I've ever been in my life
1: I, I found the customer service not that great there were maybe one or two staff who were alright to, to be fair to the yeah. one or two who were okay yeah. but on the whole they were quite sarky, um very disinterested in, in in the customers and didn't really help um, I think mean, the event really no so uh, yes unfortunately SFX have already booked SFX Weekender 2 into
2: pontins which I think is a huge mistake and If they're listening, please reconsider. Mm.
1: I think there's going to be a lot of people not going next year because of the location. Anyway, so, moving on. I was just going to say, should we give out a special Gertie? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to
2: give it angry face. I'm going to do a face so disgusted it's melting (laughs) off the
1: head. And Chris, you're you're aware, as an avid listener of our podcast of the uh, Gertie
0: system, what, what, what do you want to give it? I'm not entirely sure Gertie would be running if he was at Pontins. I think the power (laughs) situation, (laughs) you'd have to have the switch of shower, oven, or Gertie. (laughs) I think
2: rusty face maybe would be appropriate.
0: Yes, I think so.
1: Anyway, that's that's Pontins. We wanted to get that off our chest so it wouldn't get in the way of the review of the weekend proper. Before
2: we get to that, though, we're going to do one of our regular features, which uh, our regular listeners will know, but if you're listening to this because you're interested in the SFX Weekender, uh, the Spiffing Review normally focuses on movies, and we do something called the Trailer Park which is when we take a little look at the most recent five trailers on the Apple website, just to see what's out there, what's coming along, and offer our thoughts on it. So, what have we got this week?
1: Well, number one in the trailer park is The Wolfman. Yes, this has
2: been gestating for quite a while now, I think. I think it had some sort of strange director issue. I think the first director sort of departed under, you know, the famous creative differences thing, and Joe Johnston came in, who's the guy that directed Jurassic Park 3, which, not a great film, but... It was well made. Yeah. Um, so yes, what do you think of it?
1: Well, it looks alright, but it just looks like any of the typical sort of um, uh, werewolf movie. We've had a fair few of them recently, uh, and um, it does, I don't think it really it looks like it adds anything to the werewolf genre. Uh, it's got Benicio del Toro in it, who's who's okay. It's got Anthony Hopkins, who pretty much looks like he's reprising his role from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Um, and huge, huge weaving. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm. I don't know. I, I think the CGI effects on it still don't mount up to as good an effort as an American, an American wealth in London. No, it's not quite there
2: yet. Well, I mean, obviously, CG is there. If they'd had Avatar-quality CG in it, it could have been really, really interesting and yep. effective to see CG finally reaching that same sort of level that prosthetics have. But yep. it doesn't look like this film has quite the same budget. Having said that, it did have a slight... Vibe from the like really old Universal movies back from like last century, uh, which I kind of liked. Despite the CG, you know, it had that kind of style.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Okay. So when we look at these movies, we uh, give each of them one of our uh, Gertie scare ratings. Gertie, as you know, it, well hopefully you know, you better know, it is the robot from the fantastic film Moon, uh, who was able to communicate uh, via the use of emoticon star faces on its. Monitor. Yeah,
2: and Kevin Spacey's voice, but Kevin Spacey
1: doesn't come on here to tell us what we think of things, so we just have to go with the smileys. Not yeah. Anyway, so, Gertie for that one. I give out ambivalent face. I think we've seen it all before, and I don't think... It, the trailer doesn't show anything new to make you be yeah. really excited about Yeah, I'll
2: it. go for ambivalent face. I think if they focus on character, which they might, it's kind of hard to tell from the trailer, then then it
1: could be good. But if it just turns
2: into a big CG effects fight, then, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, the next... Uh, Film in the trailer part is 44 Inch Chest. Yes, which is Uh, actually a film that's already
2: out in the UK, I think. So we were quite surprised to see it on there, but presumably it's not made it to the US yet, hence it's on Apple.com.
1: Yeah, even, or they've just not updated it recently. Or yes. We, or or look, they've hit the wrong switch. Or we're looking at an old version of the internet.
2: Yeah. Or we're still stuck back in like. Pontins. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Before the internet's been invented. Oh yep. no, what are we doing? No, we're we're not mentioning Pontins anymore. Nope. Right, no. Okay. Um, well, this is a film starring Ray Winston, uh, John Hurt, and other various well known actors like Ian McShane and a few other yes. uh, famous faces. The, the established old guard of British actors, basically. Yeah. It's a looks like a revenge movie, uh, very much in the London gangster. What, well, London Gangster, as in um, the Cray brothers, not Gangster, as yeah. in rap. Arab Banana. Marvel.
2: And uh, yeah, written by the people that is Sexy Beast, mm-hmm. uh, which is a superb film. Have you seen that? No. Ah, that's very good. Also starring Wayne Winston, um, although I don't think there's a connection story wise. Uh, yeah, it looked, uh, looked decent. It, yep. it, it kind of ticked all the gangster boxes, which. So it actually lessens my interest a little bit because sometimes it feels like you've seen it all before. A bit like The Wolfman in some ways. Yep. Uh, but having said that, it's all about the execution and the cast it looks quite intriguing really yeah. because having a cast that's much more towards the sort of elderly scale, meaning no disrespect because they could still beat me up quite easily. Yeah, uh, yeah could be good. probably good. So yeah, smiley face for me.
1: Yeah, i got ambivalent to smiley. I think mean, it's a sort of a mind watch if it came on TV but I wouldn't go out my way to watch it. Mm,
2: mm, fair enough. Right. So, falling asleep, sorry, falling awake, Uh, yeah, my main problem with this, right from the start, is its title, because it's the kind of title that thinks it's being extremely clever, but actually isn't that clever, and it's just a bit silly. Um, What was it about? I'm not really sure. Well, it seems to be,
1: it's set in America, it it looks like to be a Hispanic uh, Hispanic wannabe musician who's trying to make it big. Uh, there looks to be a bit of gang bit warfare fighting. and rioting and stuff in it, um, but it looks dull, dull,
2: dull. Yes, yeah, it looks incredibly boring. It's hard to tell if that's just a trailer because it couldn't quite decide whether to show it as this kind of gritty urban drama or a really generic plinky plonky kind of rom, well, not rom com. But what,
1: what do you think? That's going to be how he plays his guitar in a plinky plonky way. Yeah,
2: the whole trailer it's just looks very plinky plonky. Um, the, the main issue I have with it is that it ticked so many kind of cliches of trying to be emotional in the kind of American beauty established style that everything about it is be emotional and it's just mm. like so determined to make you feel about stuff. I'm getting but, the impression,
1: Simon, this isn't your sort of film.
2: Uh No, I mean, I really like a properly emotional film, but when something's trying so hard to be emotional it actually ends up having the opposite effect for me uh, and becomes not that emotional at all because it's all so signposted, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um Anyway, Gertie's well, for me, it's a sad face. Yeah, it? sad face. Sad face. So,
2: let's just move straight on. Yeah, moving uh,
1: on. To a slightly different film. Jackie Chan in Shin-gak, Shin-gak, Shinjak Incident. Shinjuku Incident, isn't it? It probably is, but my handwriting's abysmal. <laughs> Shinjuku <laughs> yeah. Incident. We're not entirely sure what the
2: film's called, but
1: it's got Jackie Chan <laughs> in it. But the best thing about this trailer is it's the return of the trailer man. Yeah, he's been absent he's for a while. Abs- of- well, he died, didn't he? Yeah, but he's back. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> Don't know how that happened, but but it's great. He's back. Maybe it's someone. Maybe he's passed the torch on. Could it be, could be his son. Yeah, same genes. So yes, but uh, the trailer man's back and back in a big way. Yeah, cheese tastic. It it's fantastic. Um, yeah. So it looks like a typical Jackie Chan movie um, with what does he have to do? If you want peace, prepare for war. <laughs> Which I think sums it up.
2: Yes. Uh, it's kind of the the foreign policy of the UK and the US for the last ten years. Yep. So
1: yeah. I yep. um, can't really tell what the film's about. No, didn't want to give no, it away. We, I was just more impressed uh, at Trailer Man's back with his cliches, <laughs> it's brilliant.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think if Jackie Chan wasn't in it, it would probably look like the worst film ever made. But Jackie Chan is in it, so it could be fun. Yep. So smiley mm,
1: smileyish face. Yeah, I, I got a smiley face, I got that uh, Jackie Chan. Smiley
2: face but a kind of a wry smile. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So finally
2: we have the losers.
1: Well, this is a DC-inspired... Um, mm, so a, presumably a story. from
2: a comic source, although yeah. I'm not aware of it myself. No,
1: I, I've never come across the graphic... No, we've had this before. It's graphic novels. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. But you, if you're going to call them comics, then... Well, you see, I'm not afraid of calling them comics, Wayne. Why do you get beaten up by the comic <laughs> people out <like> there? <that? laughs> no, the graphic novel people out like there. Uh-huh. They're very serious,
2: you know. Really? Yeah. Like, actually, there might be lots of SFX people listening, so... You can call them what you want. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, uh Good cast. Yep, Um, such as Zoe Saldana, who obviously is in Star Trek and Avatar, Idris Elba, who's from The Wire, uh, which instantly makes him brilliant, um, without any question Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who was recently seen in Watchmen as the comedian Uh, and Chris Evans, not that one, the other one, uh, who's been in Fantastic Four and was pretty much the only thing worth watching in those films, and of course he was also in Sunshine more recently, uh, with recently, recently, with, uh, with a really good role. Yeah, no, Sean Connery wasn't in it. Ah.
1: Uh, so yeah, um, what was it about? It was caper, some um, crime, it, Caper some sort of American, I, I'm assuming, secret service bunch of soldiers who, who for some reason have turned fugitives looks a bit like the plot of the A-Team yeah, you know, yeah. It looks,
2: like, it looks like the A-Team but rather but than mimicking good. the old one it, it's trying to do something new with it uh, so yeah it looked fun it looked incredibly over the top but yep. in a very witty kind of way it looked a bit like something Robert Rodriguez might have directed ten years ago uh, if he'd had a bigger budget
1: yep so a DC version of the A-Team I think it sums it up yeah uh, it and has- probably people that have read the comic are now like fuming because we've got it completely wrong <laughs> but if we have got it completely Sorry, wrong graphic novel if we have got it completely wrong, then and don't be afraid to drop us a line at com. <laughs> you can find out like, all our information yeah.
2: there. Yeah, because we can't remember it right now. <laughs> so, all right, so oh, that's the trailer smiley, park. Smiley
1: face. Smiley face, absolutely. Smiley face on me. Yeah, that's the trailer park done with. Now, we'll move on to the review of the SFX Weekender. FSFX. FX. Mm, well, I can yes. get confused with that marvellous software um, company who do home... Special effects. What, FX Home?
2: Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. FXHome.com. Great. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll bring okay. Chris back in, our guest reviewer. Hello again. Yes, Chris was fortunate enough to come down with us to the event. Um, fortunate in terms of the event, not so much in terms of the accommodation, but we'll stay away from that. Uh, it was tempting, oh, please, it is. let us stay away from that. <laughs> yes, indeed. So yeah, the SFX Weekender was a mixture of panels full of authors and writers and actors and... Uh, producers talking about their craft, and very intimate sessions down in the pub where you've got sort of uh, almost a one-on-one type environment with the writers who read segments from their books and answered questions and then there's a screening room showing uh, episodes of stuff that hadn't been shown in the UK yet and some films and that also had some Q&As with cast and crew members. Uh, so it's quite a varied event, um, kind of split between TV and film and books. Which I guess is a bit like the SFX magazine itself. Yeah, there was, was
1: a bit of a gaming section, but it didn't appear to be... I never uh, found it. No, it was in a room yeah. to the side somewhere. Um, there was a, a lot of various stuff going on, and we weren't able to see it all. So what, what we'll do is uh, give you a highlight highlights of, of the various things we, we didn't actually get around to seeing.
2: Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, starting off with the panels, uh, the the weekend kicked off with a panel which consisted of uh, authors from the Galax uh, Publisher probably pronounced that completely wrong Galantz 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 it's a sort of zzzz z- 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 okay um, there's quite a funny story uh, one of the other writers there uh, Mark Newton who's not actually from Galantz he's from Macmillan was writing on his blog after the event talking about how they all got to stay in a lovely cottage just outside Pontins and had a wonderful time and all the Galantz authors were booked into the Pontins chalets of which see the start of this podcast um, but yeah it was a good intro and uh, it was nice to kick everything off with, with a, a book was it about? the name
1: of the panel was called Fantasy Horror Science Fiction what's in a name
2: yes yeah, which is always a bit of a tricky thing to bring up at a sci-fi convention to be honest uh, sci-fi fantasy convention because on the one hand people love their categories and they love to split things up and at the same time it's quite annoying sometimes because it's such a broad genre that I think personally that it's nicer just to kind of let it all be a bit vague because it's all kind of imaginative fiction and i find it all interesting i don't like to split it down too much
0: this was kind of the point of a lot of the authors wasn't it that mm. they don't consider themselves to be writing specifically sci-fi or fantasy but um quite often a mixture between the two yeah. and i don't think there are any who actually said no i am a sci-fi writer or i am a fantasy or whatever else writer i think they're all they're pretty much um sort of were against the whole categorisation of the genres.
2: Yeah, I rather liked uh, Robert Rankin, who wasn't actually on this panel, but we saw him later on in the show, who described what he wrote as far-fetched fiction. I thought that was rather good.
1: Yeah, he's making up his own genre for himself. Yeah.
2: Um, So, yeah, it was interesting stuff. And, And the old question of you get some authors i think margaret atwood usually gets some flack for this who quite clearly write science fiction and yet don't seem to want to admit it but then the guys on this panel uh, were talking about the difficulty with the marketing guys because in some circles admitting that you write science fiction is a bit like admitting you've got some horrible addiction and and it's not something to be proud of so yeah that was an interesting start to the weekend and a good kind of focus point to kick yeah. off
1: with so when other highlights after that i'm just uh having to see what you saw next um has Doctor Who been good or bad for sci-fi yeah now this was an interesting panel because interesting topic very interesting it was an interesting panel insofar as they only had people who were arguing has it been good for sci-fi yeah you see most of the panel are people that kind of get paid by Rossity Davies (laughs) during their
2: everyday working life um which meant it was pretty one-sided, and you didn't really get a debate as to whether it had been good or bad. It was just, uh, we love Doctor Who, and, and the audience was quite clearly with them, so, you know, fair well, enough. most but, of the audience. Oh, well, except for us, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's not to say that uh, we dislike Doctor
1: Who. <laughs> no, oh Christ. No. <laughs> um, Cr- Chris and
2: Wayne are long-time Doctor Who fans. I've come to it fairly recently with the Russell T Davies stuff, which I felt started
1: well and then very rapidly deteriorated.
0: That sounds like a whole new podcast episode. Right? <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, we, we
1: we could probably do our own podcast based on this panel, uh, based on the which panel, which maybe interesting thing to do in the future. Yeah, a um, review of Doctor Who. Yeah. To be um, fair,
0: I think that of the five, was it five panelists listed in the original program? Only two of them actually were on. Yeah. Turn up on the panel. They had someone standing in at the last moment, mm-hmm. so there may have been more sort of disagreement between the panel if it had been the original five, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, and to I be th- honest, I don't know who those other three were
2: supposed to be. And also, to be fair, the people that were talking, who were very much pro-New Doctor Who, uh, kind of have a right to be, because they are actually some of the people that are responsible for the really good episodes, like Paul Cornell, who wrote has written some good stuff in several series. Uh, I think you know Paul Cornell, don't you, Chris?
0: Vaguely. Met him once at his wedding. <laughs> really? Excellent.
2: Uh, so yeah, you know, fair enough, but it just would have been more interesting with the opposite opinion. Maybe we should have been up there. We should have gate crashed the stage.
1: Yeah, like fake, fake oh, David Tennant. Yeah, which we'll come we'll on to, to later, later. So. Yeah. Um Then what else was there in the afternoon, which we saw um, Misfits. Yeah, the Misfits panel was okay. Um, I've not really seen all of it. Misfits is a, a program on E4, if you don't already know it, um, about Asbos with superpowers. And it's fairly good. The panel was quite informative. Um, the... the most interesting, you know, we thought that the production staff were much more interesting to listen to than, than the actors. Hmm. So if your fans of those actors are on there, sorry, but they were dull. Well,
0: it's no offence to the actors, but when you're actually going along to one of these panels, all the actors really have got to say is that, well, it was wonderful to work on it, and everyone I work with is fantastic, which is probably quite accurate. Whereas, of course, the production teams have got far more interesting insights into how the whole process of making the programme actually works, which personally I think it was far more interesting
2: yeah and that was that was something that was constantly kind of going back and forth during the show whether the focus should be on the kind of front men or the behind the scenes guys and for me I felt it was a little bit too focused sometimes on the front people because you know the really big thing the big uh, attraction to the show was the fact that James Masters was there who's obviously from Buffy and Torchwood and people were obsessed with that and Tom Baker was there and Michelle Forbes and everyone was extremely excited about these actors being there and while I like all those actors and I think they're great I'm not particularly interested in actually meeting them or seeing them. Um, like Chris says, I'm much more interested which in the behind-the-scenes guys. Which
1: was just as well, given the queues in the autograph. Yes, indeed. Well, there was
2: a funny moment when uh, there were hundreds and hundreds of people queuing up to uh, sign, uh, get stuff signed by Tom Baker and the lady who plays uh, Sarah History. Jane. Yeah, um, And while they were queuing up, uh, Tom Baker and her walked into the room through another door and all the way through the main area, uh, and no one actually noticed. That was really funny.
0: Far from you Simon
2: Except for me yes
0: mm. And you can be
1: proud I can Did you internalise Your laughter I did I snickered internally Excellent um,
2: So yeah Other panels That uh, I, I went to And found found interesting There was quite a few Panels about uh, How to write And how to publish Your stuff And uh, they were Kind of a mixed bag Because the problem With that sort of thing Is that it's very difficult To know where to pitch it Because obviously There's some people That are just starting out There's some people That are already published There's some people That have their material And are now trying to Figure out what to do with it And um, so you can never really please everyone um personally i'd have liked to have gone into a bit more detail with it i think and maybe gone to sort of the next level with some of the stuff i think what did you think about that chris
0: um i think that the the how to get published um was probably a little down disheartening for a lot of people listening because what they were basically saying was unless you're very very good you're not going to get published and the sort of the figures were horrific it was something like but hopefully, hopefully, I'm not misquoting. But there was an agent who was there saying they get about his agency get about 300 submissions a month, and out of that, they'll take on two or three. I don't know that, was that a year or was that something a month? like that? Yeah. It was some, some it ridiculous, a vanishingly small number of people who get taken on by these big agencies and publishers. Yeah, um,
2: but I think to some degree, the other point he was making is not so much that it. It's not that if you're good, it's really hard to get published, although obviously it's still a major challenge. I think possibly his main point was that there aren't very many people that are good. Yes. Um, Which is something I've always had an issue with, because you look at these Pop Idol and X Factor American Idol type shows, and it's all about encouraging people that are actually a bit crap. Um, And the publishing industry doesn't really work that way. You actually do have to be good. Um, But a lot of people growing up and developing unfortunately haven't got friends who are nice enough to tell them that they're no good
1: and science fiction novel writing isn't really the right sort of medium to do like an x an x factor x factor you call it i suppose within science fiction and fantasy it would be a bit of a laborious process especially if you have to go through all the crap ones (laughs) and and, and that's the the thing because it's quite a niche interest people
2: that like write write, writer fan fiction and maybe try their hand at writing their own stuff quite often they won't have peers around them who will be willing to read it or know anything about it. Not so well, it
1: and then criticise as well. I think mean, that's an mm. important thing. If someone's <laughs> no good, he, he, the best service you can do to someone is constructively tell them why it's no good and not just yeah. let them uh, carry on thinking what they're doing is brilliant. Exactly, because then they'll either get better if they've got the, the kind of ability to get better. Or, or stab you in the face. Yeah, all
2: that. Or they'll hopefully stop and try something else with their lives, which yep. they Which they, can they may do. find
1: out what they're good at. Yeah. Um, um, so I just having a look at what else we saw Friday Friday Robert Rankin he was very funny yes uh, his, his uh, panel spot wasn't really so much him talking about uh, his, his work it was just doing a, a bit of a stand up stand up kick it, yes. it was really really funny but yeah expected um, lots
2: of ukulele songs um, of, of the tongue in cheek variety mm-hmm. uh, yeah I'd, I'd not read his stuff and wasn't really aware of him so it was a bit of a shock suddenly because it was kind of author after author promoting their work not in a negative manner but it was very much like He'll read a section of his work, talk about how he got there and why his stuff's good, and then hopefully he would go and buy it. And then Robert Rankin came on and just did his song and dance routine and was completely yeah. bonkers. But one of
1: the nice things about Robert Rankin, and actually with all the rest of the authors who were there, was they were hanging around the convention most of the weekend. And I did, that That's one of the really plus points for the for the weekend, I thought, was, yeah. was the fact
2: yeah, definitely. that
1: they, they were a visible presence all the way through. And, that's again the slight and, diff- and a lot of them um, appeared in more than one panel as well. So yeah. it, it was very... It's almost
0: like starting to build up a little community of people there over the course of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, it's when you're sat down at the pub and you're sort of sharing a table because it's quite crowded and you sort of look across and you realise that the person with his pie next to you is Joe Abercrombie, who is a very well-known and one of my favourite fantasy authors. And it's it's that sort of very, without wanting to use the wrong word, sort of very intimate sort of setting.
2: Yeah, we had to hold Chris back sometimes, but uh, uh, yeah. And I
0: think that was the right word as well.
2: Yes, yeah. Um, it, it was a very cosy little environment in the pub, uh, and I think that was the big difference between the actors who were there who were very much kind of at arm's length, and you, you know, they'll sign something for you, but that you're not going to catch them in the pub hanging out, having a chat with everyone. Uh, but then to some degree they, they can't do that because they get completely they just mobbed. They get mobbed, yeah. Whereas the authors have a lower profile and I think the, the readers... Maybe respect their privacy a little more and don't go completely crazy because they're interested in the work by the author, not
1: so much in the author as a personality, yeah. perhaps. So, what other highlights have you got, um, Chris? And
0: the highlights of the weekend? Um, I think the are we going on to the evening entertainment? Um, um, before the, we do, and let's finish the, the panels yeah, and stuff. Yes, I before know, we well, do, panels, I think I've, I've pretty much covered everything. I mean, we did miss out the very start. We said that it started off with the galance panel. Of course, before that, there was the. Um, Entertainment. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I can't actually describe. So maybe it's a bad thing to bring yeah. up.
2: That's interesting because on one of the panels,
0: it, which, it was a burlesque show on stilts.
2: Yeah, and you see, and uh, uh, it, it kind of started the show with this burlesque show and uh, ended it with a similar kind of performance. And on one of the panels midway through the event, which I think was the writing for young adults panel, uh, one of the authors, China Miéville, who is fascinating. If you ever get the chance to actually listen to him, you should absolutely go along, even if you've never read his stuff. He was making the point to do with uh, genders and gender bias and how kind of stereotypes are put in place that women do this and men do this and all this kind of thing. And he was obviously saying it was a bad thing. And yet SFX had come to the conclusion that to kind of bookend their whole weekend, they'd have women taking their clothes off on stage and joating about. Uh, and Maybe there's a time and a place, but it just seemed quite ironic that <laughs> in between these things there was China trying to say, you know, let's not pigeonhole women into this yep. role.
1: Not pigeonhole them anyway. Yes.
2: Uh, so yeah, that that was curious, um, and sometimes okay. the uh, sometimes the style of the event didn't seem quite to match up with the content. Yeah. I
0: mean, yeah, it was the first event of its kind that they've done, so it's I suppose in a way they were finding. Well, they have done
1: they have tried doing conventions before, but this is the first of the SFX Weekenders. I think have had a couple of abortive attempts in the past to try and get some something up and running, but um, um, it was a good effort by them. Anyway, we'll come on to that an uh, overall thing in a minute. I'm just looking here my notes. Other other highlights on me. Was the the growing influence of comics and films that was a very good panel? Um, with Dave Gibbons, who is the um the, the, the main well, the artist on Watchmen, yes, and of course, uh, he
2: then later on in the weekend did a little drawing
1: masterclass
2: as well, which was really fascinating yeah. and aimed at kind of a beginner kind of audience. But he did it so well. And what was lovely was this kind of utter pro who obviously is you know right at the top of his field, uh, quite happily telling people how to draw hands and feet and uh, he, he had a, a, a lovely kind of approach to everything it was so good so friendly to everyone
1: um I, I also tom baker was absolutely hilarious he's a complete fruit loop i think he's uh, overtaken um oh what's his name brian blessed yeah Did you brian forget blessed.
2: brian blessed's name
1: uh, he's so awesome <laughs> I, I you can't use his name more than clearly, twice in a day clearly tom baker's overtaken him so much you've just forgotten all about him yeah but in the insane OAP stakes, it's Tom Baker currently has the lead. Yeah, it's but a bit like a seesaw, though. They'll kind of go back and forth, like every few years. Imagine if you were around where that seesaw was, and they were on it, <laughs> on a seesaw, shouting and bellowing at each other with strange anecdotes and talking about killing badgers and the death uh,
0: throes of a rabbit. Didn't Mrs. Mrs. Blessed explain it to you, though, Wayne?
1: That, that's some sort of Twitter person if you're listening to this Mrs Blessed uh, hello um, uh, uh, n- nice to make your acquaintance um, so yeah Tom Baker was just crazy um, there's not really much to say from what he was saying he he did at the end express his love for, for all the fans out there but I think he just might have been saying that um, and then we moved on to Jerry Anderson and despite some technical glitches at the start with trying to play a DVD it's um, pretty
2: tough stuff though. yeah
1: I don't think that was Jerry Anderson doing that now, I think that was the tech crew hmm. um yeah, he he was out uh, um, trying to basically get a couple of his new uh, his, his new projects. Well, I say new projects; his old projects resurrected again. Redone, yes. Yeah, he he was announcing that Thunderbirds is coming back, and he wasn't announcing something because he wasn't allowed to go to a secret. That he's trying to get the Captain Scarlet uh, CGI version of Captain Scarlet they showed on the Ministry of Mayhem, which he, he didn't like Ministry of Mayhem, which was a Saturday mornings TV show a few uh, years back. He didn't like it. I did, so I took issue with him about that. What That'd were you cool doing watching Saturday morning kid shows? Holly Willoughby was on it quite <laughs> often in a uh, Wapes' address getting custard-pied. Yeah. Well, that explains that one. And also for the Captain Scarlet cartoon, because I actually quite liked that. Mm. It was very good. So, that was that. Uh uh, Lisbeth Sladen was there she she was she was lovely but not as mental as Tom Baker well I'll give her a few years yeah she'll get there so so that was that there were some of the things there. the other thing I really enjoyed as well was going to the Bill Pearson workshop now, Bill Pearson did the, uh, the many many miniature effects and set building um, on Thunderbirds and all sorts and he, he did uh, a lot of the work on Moon
2: yes which obviously is one of our favourite movies
1: of yeah. last year so he came across as a very nice chap um And and once again, it's always amazing, whenever you see or hear these people talk about what they do uh, with all the models and stuff they make, how most of it is actually just made up of things you find around the house, like ping pong balls, um, just anything. You pick up any sort of bit of plastic, you just turn it into these wonderful models. Um, And he's also recommending anyone out there who wants to be a model maker for
0: sci-fi stuff is to have a regular supply of condoms. Of course, there was another announcement in the news. This is probably going slightly off topic, but apparently, um, Fairy Liquid for their 50th anniversary are releasing the original uh cylindrical Fairy Liquid bottles. So, Ooh, that's so going to be uh, ideal for model making, for oh the next yeah. Star Trek weeks. ships, yeah. Gaps get old the engine yeah, sales so there,
1: get it ready, cool. Um, so they were they were highlights for me. Um, I say we'll talk about the pub quiz and the SFX awards in a minute. So, Chris, you know, from more from you already said so, and Simon, uh, no, I'm pretty
2: much done really. So, yeah, the uh both days, the Friday and Saturday, rounded off with a big sort of gala event kind of thing where they brought everyone in for, for this massive kind of community yeah. gathering. Um, oh, on,
1: on the Friday night, there were two going on. Uh, there was the SFX Imaginarium, which none of us went to. So, uh, and, and I
2: don't think anyone else went to either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but if any of you did go there and um, can fill us in as to what actually happened, then and please do so we'll give you the contact details at the end of the show
2: yeah um, but yes the other event was the SFX uh, Blastermind uh, Blastermind pub quiz which I think was the brainchild of Dave Golder wasn't it who's the, the online editor I think of,
1: Gold, yeah is that his name I hope that's his name it is Dave.
2: Anyway, whatever his name is, he deserves a lot of respect for uh, attempting to hold this event, because it yeah. was pretty
1: crazy. Yeah, um, it was in a, a very small venue from the amount of people who turned up. There were 60 teams, at least four people on a team. Yeah, and I think they are probably expecting about five teams, weren't they? Mm. That, there was a slight oversight
2: on the SFX team, given that they're kind of SF fantasy experts and have quite a lot of contact with their readers, which is, for some reason, they didn't quite realise that at an SF convention full of geeks... Those geeks are going to want to show off to each other and discover who knows the most geeky things. Not us. No, it wasn't us, unfortunately. But
1: we know quite a lot. Yeah, we we're, were in the uh, in that tranche teams which came in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I say came in the nineties, uh, we, we got ninety-three odd points. Yeah. Um, so yes,
2: it, it was it was a uh, it was a good pub quiz, but no, yeah,
0: yeah. It, it, the act, like was quite. <laughs> I think we had the advantage of being <laughs> sat near the front, having having, Word decided, failure, sorry. having decided that that um, that we that there would be a lot of people there, we did actually manage to stake out a table. So we were close yeah, we were to the stage ahead. and able to actually hear the questions, which I think a lot of people couldn't. It's probably helped us get quite a good score. <laughs> yeah, yeah, being able to hear the questions <laughs> yes, helped. Some of the people with, less, with those scores may have had a slight disadvantage in that.
1: Um, uh, but I think hats off to the SFX guy because this is very much the SFX team. Um, running it, um, I thought they coped with the yeah. well, numbers a, very well. A lot of the other events,
2: um, panels, and things had kind of organisers in charge of it who I don't think were SFX staff. They were kind of like big event type people. Yeah. Whereas this quiz was very much the SFX team desperately trying to hold it together, yeah. and they worked so hard, and it was really quite commendable.
1: Yep. Yeah. So so well done. That. that gets a, a, a smiley gertie from me. Yes. Yes. Smiley, if slightly manic gertie face. <laughs> um, and on the on the Saturday night, the main thing to end. And the uh, well, before Pat Sharp, he was the main thing to end it for you, right? Yeah,
2: I'm not sure for everyone. Um,
1: anyway, were the SFX awards?
2: Yes, uh, which of course they hold every year, but
1: this is the first time they've actually had their own event yeah. to unveil them. Uh, and what a magnificent venue they chose to do it! Yes, and so what did you think of the awards in general? We won't probably going to all the winners and losers because you can see them on the uh, SFX website, yeah. Um,
2: I think, um the, the, the winners themselves I wasn't particularly interested in it was
1: it was quite a Russell T Davis loving again yeah wasn't?
2: it was kind of populist stuff that doesn't interest me that much and although the, what, one nice moment was when Transformers yes. 2 was nominated for was it nominated for was it best, best it? film was it best ever movie? <laughs> yeah so Transformers 2 was in the running for best film and as uh, Robert Rankin who was presenting again in his very witty and slightly crazed manner read out the, the various nominations I think it was probably Moon and District 9 and Avatar and films like that the Harry
1: Potter yeah. Star Trek actually
2: Avatar wasn't there was it because it was slightly too late no. I think um, but anyway every film that was announced there was like, lots of cheers of varying... oh
1: no. no it wasn't for the best film category oh, was it not no it would have been for the best director
2: best director yeah uh, <laughs> uh, even funny <laughs> um, so yes each one got announced and you know, lots of claps and whoops and all this kind of stuff uh, except for Transformers 2 where it was announced and the entire room booed
1: it was a nice moment.
2: It felt good. Yeah. It washed away all the complaints we had about pontins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: uh, the, the actual award ceremony itself was actually really entertaining. Um, I think a lot of that due to Robert Rankin uh, yep. being, doing the presenting. I personally think he should be put forward to, to host the Oscars.
2: Yep and every award
1: show, basically. Yep. And also run the opening ceremony of the Olympics.
2: Yes, literally running it. That would be good. Yeah, that would be absolutely <laughs> crazy. Uh, but yeah, it was a refreshing change from the usual pompous, aren't we wonderful, let's pat ourselves on the back because we're movie directors and we love making movies and making loads of money, so we're going to congratulate ourselves, thing yep. that you get with the Oscars. It
1: so we've just got the last few minutes left. Um, so
0: overall thoughts of the weekend, Chris? Um, I think it was well worth going to. <clears throat> Even uh, the accommodation, although obviously we've gone on about it, and I think quite a lot of other people, um, judging from online reviews, have done the same, um, it didn't really... It didn't overshadow it, which it could have done if it was a, a weaker event. Yeah, um, I think
2: I think the, the Pontins aspect will recede into the back of our memories yeah. while we remember the actual event itself.
0: Well, ultimately,
1: it was better than camping, and we've done a lot of big events, well, certainly Christmas South have, where... Um, what you end up invariably end up camping and is that your summary it was better than camping <laughs> but the accommodation was <laughs> not the summary of the event but um, certainly yeah, we weren't there for the accommodation luckily and I think I only spent about an hour or so whilst awake um, actually in the chalet so even though it was naff it it wasn't naff enough to take away from the overall thing. Um, so I, I think the event it was really good, despite the best efforts of Pontins to ruin it.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that, um, especially given it was their first time they'd organised this kind of thing. I think there's a lot of areas they can tighten it up and polish it up, um, but that's that's the same for anything, yep. really, and I'm I'm quite excited to see how they do that next year, although I do still urge them to move it yep. somewhere else. Yeah.
1: So, so quickly, what would you like to see? Um, uh, what panel do you think was missing? Um, I, I I think I'd have liked to have seen some maybe more academic
2: type stuff, which I know sounds kind of dull, but the only other convention I've been to, which was EasterCon a couple of years back, they really went to town on kind of the more serious issues. And it's not that I want it all to switch to that. It's just that it'd be nice to have a mixture of the like mainstream fun stuff, like here are the actors, aren't they cool? And then the kind of, you know, get some, get some, uh, some bloggers and writers in to talk with the, the the authors about their work and kind of break it down and get a little bit more in depth
0: in that kind of regard okay. Chris um, really the only problem I had was Clash It because and this is, isn't really a complaint um the main problem I had was when things clashed because they had several different streams. They had, obviously, the main auditorium, the um, smaller-scale stuff in the pub, and also the screenings, uh, which were all going on at the same time. And there's no way you can get around that. Um, but uh, that was really my only problem with the event. Yeah, okay. I think
2: with, with the scheduling, sometimes they assumed that you'd be either interested in film or interested in books, for example. And if, if that was the case, then you're fine. But for me... You know, I love special effects and filmmaking, and I also love writing and yeah. books. So, uh, quite a few times, I was like,
1: "Ah, what do I do now?" Yeah, um, I, I, I would like to have seen maybe a, a couple of seminars on on some of the newer media yes, ways of doing point. things, um, particularly online um, stuff. Obviously, from a from a podcasting uh, with our Jack Steele series point of view. Um, and also with gaming, I think that would have been nice to have a couple of little panels about that sort of yeah, thing. New media type and, of things. and and also maybe just a little, I don't know, what they'd call the breakout stream at real conferences, um, uh, for like amateur sci-fi producers to sort of get together and share experiences. Maybe that would have been a nice little organising to do. Yeah, because DIY- I mean, ultimately we could have all met down the pub and done it, but you need to have an introduction. So exactly
2: why? DIY- Sci-fi and fantasy is so popular because you've got, you know, the fan fiction written stuff. You've got fan films being made all over the place, and even outside of the fan stuff, you've got people trying to make their own sci-fi films. It's just all, all over yeah. the place, all over YouTube and Vimeo. So, and so actually,
1: content. listeners, if um, if you do um, partake in homemade sci-fi of or any variety. fantasy variety uh, drop us a line. Uh, our email address is Simon and Wayne at SpiffingReview.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, which is Spiffing Review. Or just visit our website, which is spiffingreview.com. Drop us a line. And if we get enough... Responses. We might even uh, have a, a little special show. Specialist Sean Connery again. Yep. A little special show to cover all that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so
2: I think that's all from me, Simon. Anything else? Uh, well, there's a couple of things actually because <laughs> you promised to uh, explain the David Tennant impersonator issue, and I think we glossed over it.
1: Oh yes, yes.
2: This this was during the SX Awards. A couple of anecdotes here. Uh, <laughs> uh, which I think it was David Tennant won for Best Actor, but couldn't be there, um, possibly because he's currently in auditions for The Hobbit. I've heard that rumoured. Um, but um, yeah, you couldn't be there like quite a lot of the other winners of the awards. Um, so Robert Rankin was going to read out a little thank you letter, but uh, instead this David Tennant impersonator, there was, there was about 10 of these impersonators all over the place the whole weekend. It was very odd. I don't know why these people don't actually go and do something with their own lives rather than riffing off someone else's. Anyway, um, this guy ran up on stage uh, pretending to be David Tennant and uh, it was kind of funny for about... 10 seconds and then he stayed on stage for another couple of minutes and it was just excruciating um, so yeah, and the other the other thing of course which we probably should at least acknowledge because people went slightly mad for it is uh, you may have heard this already um, if not it's a bit of a scoop for us that Neil Gaiman might be writing a Doctor Who episode in about 14 months
1: and it might not be called The House of Nothing yeah so you heard it here first or, or probably not if you come here yeah. after finding out about us at Look, SFX looking it in, anyway um, I'd just like to finish by saying a big thank you to the SFX team for putting on a really good event uh, overall um, yep. I really enjoyed it yeah no thank you to Pontins for being crap yep and a big thank you to Chris for yes. being here No, oh, my pleasure
2: so yes we will be back in a couple of weeks with a slightly reformatted show where we'll be reviewing various things from TV shows to movies to computer games to whatever the hell we want so hopefully we don't know, we
1: don't know what it's going to be yet
2: yeah uh, we're kind of making it up as we go along like Indiana Jones Um, so yes catch us at the end of February where we'll discover what we're up to next and uh, yeah if you did attend SFX weekend I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did
1: goodbye goodbye